This is Training Talk. Training Talk is your regular update on the fast-paced and ever-changing world of demolition training. Welcome to the first episode of Season 2 of Training Talk. Now, I know what you're thinking. The middle of November is a strange time to start a new season. But let me explain. Just over a month ago, we parted company with our original show sponsor due to what can be best described as artistic differences. So we've taken time to regroup and to rethink the show. We have a new sponsor on board, which you'll hear about in just a moment. But just as importantly, we have a new, more relaxed format because our show sponsor has allowed us the freedom to produce the show our listeners want. I'll be back shortly with the proper show. But first of all, let's introduce our new show sponsor, Pro Trainings. Pro Trainings is a leading first aid health and safety training provider. With over 200 courses and a mix of online and classroom training, you can choose whether to complete your development on the go or on site with one of the company's 1,000 qualified instructors. From entry-level first aid at work to advanced first responder life support, keep your crew safe and make sure they know how to save a life. Call us on 01206 805 359 or visit protrainings.uk and make your training our problem, not yours. Pro Training's first aid, health and safety training, proud sponsors of Training Talk. Okay, so I'm at a commercial park in Colchester in Essex to meet with Keith Slateholm, Managing Director of our new sponsor, Pro Trainings. We're here primarily to discuss the subject of blended training and how this can be applied in the demolition industry to make training more engaging while also saving demolition companies money. But before we get to that, I asked Keith about his company's backstory and how he came to be running a pioneering training company. So you originally wanted to be a farmer and yet you find yourself running a training company. How the hell did that happen? Trained in agriculture, but just before my finals in agriculture, I was hit by a drunk driver. So I had to have a complete job change. Um, so I had two broken ankles, so it worked on. Then I went into sales and that sort of developed on. Uh, then um, decided to learn to scuba dive. And then in that, I started teaching uh, scuba diving and first aid uh, and then married Liz uh, within three months and then we built up the business into training primarily. Dropped out of scuba diving many many years ago uh, and then developed a, a training company off the back of that teaching instructors, teaching um, uh, individuals and building up a big instructor network. Now as I said to you before when I think of training I think of classrooms and whiteboards and well in my case blackboards actually and, and, and powerpoint presentations we're sat in your office at the moment. It looks more like a tech company than a training company. How does the op- how does the system operate? We started off. There's lots of things I wanted when I started the company, and I wanted to make training a little bit more interesting, a little bit more fun. So we tried to build the whole thing up. Um, so now there's not we don't use blackboards anymore. Um, it, we have standardised powerpoints we use to ensure that we get a standard course taught wherever we need. We wanted to make sure that every single student who did a course, even if it was a 100% classroom course, they had access to court work afterwards. So everyone's got access to a video database, loads of downloads, student manuals. We tried to make training accessible to people. So we've translated a lot of the student manuals. So when you do a course, you can have it in your language. Uh, we've done that across the board on lots of subjects now. We then wanted to launch blended training, and that was the key thing with the whole business. Um, if we had blended training, then it can save not only save the company's money by having people not on work, they're off work so much, but also making the courses a lot more interesting. So we've developed a quite a, a massive technical side of it, but also made it very approachable. So you can access the system on your mobile phone, your tablet, or your computer. So you don't need 
computer skills to be able to develop it. You know, training should not finish when the classroom finishes. Um, you do need to keep learning, otherwise you know, skills will get rusty. Um, so we make sure we do that. Um, and also making it more accessible for companies. Um, so we've built up a massive database doing courses on site rather than having people going off site for courses. Um, introducing 360 video now as well for training. So even if you're in the classroom course now, instead of just watching a video on a computer screen or a projector, uh, you can now watch it in 360 so that the screen can be just spun around and you can look at, for example, hazards in a certain workplace. Uh, so if you've got a demolition site, we'll look at what the hazards are rather than just talk about them, you can take the person there. They can do that on their mobile phone. You put a headset on if you want. Um, so we're trying to bring as much technology in. You know, bringing in video e-learning was when we first did it. No one did it. Um, now it's it's a, a lot more accessible with faster internet speeds. Um, and I think 360 is going to be the next big thing within that. So there's a lot of technology into what we do, but also trying to make sure that we fill courses, we find courses, and we put instructors on courses. You've mentioned the term blended training. Mm. What is blended training? Blended training is where you do some of the course online um, and then you do some of the course in the classroom. And the online component um, could be made up, different courses work in different ways. Um, some of them could be a, um, a system where you read books or you do study beforehand. With ours, we, ours, we use video e-learning. We found video is the easiest way to engage with people. So they work with doing um, online modules, they watch videos. In between the videos, they get asked questions to make sure they've understood it. If they get a question wrong, they are helped to then give the right answer because there's no point in giving someone a question and then they're not knowing what the actual right answer is to it. So that goes right through to the test. So at the end of it, they do an online test. Uh, and when they work through that test, it's, um, if they get an answer wrong, it comes up with the right one. Now we use adaptive testing so that if you never get one student get the same answer. So they couldn't just write down all the answers and give it to somebody else. The thing with blended training is, is, is taking some of the theory-based units away from the classroom. So if a subject, for example, first aid, people enjoy the practical side, but hearing all the theory is harder. So if they've learned that online and they learn it when they're ready to learn, not when they have to learn it. So they can learn you know, a few hours here or they can jump and go into it and out of it whenever they like. Um, so it's blended is making it much more approachable for the learner, the person actually studying the course, but also it means that that person is not off work for the same length of time. So for example, the first day, three day course can now be cut down to two days. And that can save the company money as well. What safeguards are in place? You, you mentioned this idea of adaptive training. What, what's to stop somebody getting their rather more intelligent cousin sitting the course <laughs> from the comfort of their, of their armchair? There, yes, there is always that possibility. Uh, what we do is we track uh, IP address, um, so we know actually what's what, where the person is. Um, so if we did see some irregularities, we, we, that would, would be alerted. Um, the key thing is the assessment decisions in the classroom. So the first thing we do in the classroom is review the e-learning. So if you haven't done the e-learning course, the actual instructor who puts their name on the certificate is going to be blatantly obvious. All the courses have evidence-based learning statements, and that will tell the instructor clearly in red or green what, what questions they got right and wrong throughout the course. So if someone has just gone through it and got loads and loads wrong, then there's maybe there's a problem there with what they're learning. And then he can assess a little bit more of uh, what's what. So it is blatantly obvious if someone has not done the online training. Depending on the qualification, we also do video ID checks for people. Um, so they're actually showing their ID uh, on, on the course. It's a very quick way. They just phone up and, and we connect them up on, on uh, video link. Um, but it depends on the qualification. 
But yeah, there are other things we've built into our system to look for irregularities. I can't tell you all of them, but uh, um, of, of, if we see any patterns with training that look you know, completely wrong. For example, people going through the, the test and answering exactly the same question wrong as lots of other people. So, But generally speaking, we haven't had a major problem uh, with security. But blended training is in every single organisation out there, every single different business sector, whether you're a vet or a doctor or um, you know, you're a solicitor, you're all doing blended training. Uh, but the key assessment decisions are always made on the practical side. Now, you've mentioned the fact that, that it's being used in other industries. I, my understanding is this, there remains a bit of an objection within the demolition sector towards blended training. Possibly because of you know it's considered to be a, a, a potentially hazardous business, and yet you've mentioned a, a few disciplines there that are every bit as as demanding, mm-hmm. and yet they're using blended training. Yeah, I mean anything. I mean, if uh, I'm going to train to be a scuba instructor, and I, I had blended training with that, and that's a pretty dangerous environment when you're teaching people underwater. Um, doctors use it all the time. Um, you know, it's low, so many sectors. Architects is on the lower end of the risk scale. Um, first aid. And first aid goes. First aid at work qualification will go into many, many sectors, um, and including um, offshore work, um, hazardous areas, forestry areas, demolition, uh, and it, it's it, it's there already. It's it's being used the whole time, um, and you know we've used it on teacher training and you know, every everything. You know, it, it doesn't matter what the industry particularly is. It's making sure that the practical component of the course, which a lot of people feel they don't need to do, especially refresher courses, they know what to do. Let's make that more interesting so they learn a the theory online. And that's the key thing with it. Um, and it is acceptable. You've got to look at what is the best way of teaching this person. Is it to sit them in a classroom for three days and go on and on about the theory and then do some practical? Or is it learn the theory online, assess the theory when they get to the classroom and do all the practical and make it much more fun? They'll have a lot more interesting time with that. I, I guess there's that... I, I always write about demolition. You know, there are lots of training providers who all seem to have last-minute spaces on courses. To a, to a degree, you're overcoming part of that as well. You know, okay, the classroom bit, you might still have a bit of that, mm. but you know, you, it's not a matter of getting twelve people to agree a date to do online training. They can do it, as you say, as as and when they're available to do so. Yeah, I mean, it's in their term. If they're working and they've got a bit of dead time, well, they can just do the course then. But you're putting training when they need to do it. The practical component, yes, they'd need to turn up for a set date on that, but it's going to be a lot shorter course than they would on others. Um, and if they're working in confined space or working at height training, they can learn the theory online, and then the classroom module is all practical. And that's really what the key thing. They actually apply the skills they've learned online into a practical environment, and it makes it a lot more fun. Um, and from a planning point of view, it's a lot easier as well. It's a lot easier for the training providers. For us, for example, we can you know set dates for courses and make them much easier. Um, uh, we can set them a more flexible time for somebody because they're shorter um, than, than the standard course. And they will still get the same qualification at the end of it, whether it be a regulated qualification or whether it be a, a vocational training qualification. Uh, exactly the same piece of paper they would get. You mentioned working at height. You also mentioned uh, confined space. Both of those can be done in a blended form. Yes, yep. fully approved by TQ UK. We've already got those courses live. Uh, the theory on both of those we did on the training facility who uh, work with combined spaces. Um, it goes through all the equipment and the theory, uh, and then they do the practical module afterwards. So instead of doing that as a full course and learning the theory, they've done it already. So it, it just makes it more user-friendly. But not only user-friendly for the student, but for the company as well. 
because the most important thing if you've got a company is not so much always the cost of the course. You look, oh, let's find the cheapest course to get our guys done. Well, that's not always the best. You've got to make sure you do proper checks on the course. But it's often the cost of putting those people on the course. If you're paying their wages and they're not doing the job they're being paid to do, how much is that costing you? And sometimes you'll lose more money for a full course compared with a blended course, which potentially could be half the time. Um, you know, requalification first day at work, one day instead of two days. That's a massive difference, you know, for a whole day for potentially 12 members of staff to be on a course, you know. So there's a massive time saving for the company and money saving for the company as well. What safeguards are in place um, to regulate you as, a, as, as a, an independent training provider? Yeah, we've gone things slightly different from all others. Um, we've got three ISOs, the um, Data Security 2701, uh, 4501 Health and Safety and 9001. Um, so we've gone along that route. So we're inspected on those on a regular basis and we have to maintain it. Um, we've also gone for other approvals. Um, we work with TQ UK, who are in, um, a certification body. Um, and what they do is they were regulated by Ofqual. So Ofqual are checking them, they are checking us, uh, and they make sure that all of our paperwork is correct. Skills for Care, we're a centre of excellence with them. They come out and they inspect our paperwork and we have to do annual checks with them as well. Um, we're uh, regulated with CPD as well. They again check out all our information. That's the outside bodies come to see us, in addition to other organisations who come out and check us. We've also got an internal quality assurance process where we've got an internal quality assurance process and they inspect every single instructor on an annual basis uh, on a visual inspection, which is required, but not a lot of training providers do that. Um, we're looking at all the paperwork, we look at course evaluations, um, not only the ones you fill in in the classroom. So you sit in the classroom and you don't really like the course. Often people are just put 555 thinking, oh yeah, it's great love the course, just because they don't want to confront. So we would also send out an email to them 24 hours later, A, reminding them that they've got this resource area that they can access to, but also can they rate the instructor? And at that, they rate them on different sides. They get a sort of star ratings. So they write mark them out of five, like you would on Amazon, things like that. And also you can write text. And so that data goes directly live on that instructor's record. So TripAdvisor, effectively. Yeah, it's TripAdvisor for them. Yeah, it's a very good example of it. Uh, so we would look at it, and we will also look at that on a regular basis. If we get any bad reviews of people, they're identified to us. Sometimes people have made mistakes on it. They, they tick ones instead of fives. For a, but you know, the instructor was really, really good. So it does have his headaches sometimes. But you know, it's really designed that when you want to check an instructor, um, it's there. But also we have other systems in place monitoring paperwork the whole time. Um, so everyone has to upload paperwork onto our system. So... On any of the inspections, we would get all the data's there, but also the company can then say, well, they need to do a due diligence check, which is the requirement. They can have all the data from us they need. Um, there's a lot of people out there uh, who are issuing qualifications who don't necessarily maybe just turn a, a certificate off on their own computer. Well, if they haven't got the internal quality assurance process in place, then really there's no one checking up on them. So we're regular, literally, Damien's next door on the phone right now, the CPD people, he's got an appointment there. Um, we've got TQ UK, we come out, they come out regularly to see us. So it, it's a, a regular process. And also we go for more and more approvals. So there's more and more people watching us. Because if we get higher quality, then it means it's higher quality for the customer as well. Particularly things like ISO, if they're in a contract and they need people with ISO 9001 or 4501. You know, we're one of the few training ones. I think only, I'm not sure, that, uh, but the only training provider with those, all those ISO qualifications. So putting put my demolition contractor's hat on, I'm, I'm a demolition contractor, which quite clearly I'm not, but I'm a demolition contractor. How do I go about working with pro trainings? 
do, do, you, do I set up an account? Do I just book a, a specific course? What, what, how does, how does the it The first work? thing a lot of people would do is just contact us and say that I'm interested in offering training. Um, so basically we can go through that over the phone with them. We set them up um, what we call a company dashboard. With that company dashboard, they can have access to e-learning courses if they want um, and the blended training. If they then want to introduce classroom training, we can tell them, is that course available as blended? There are some that aren't available as blended training. Um, some courses that they might want a classroom course could be done 100% online. Um, so, you know, we can look at, discuss what training requirements they have. We can then arrange for, you know, when they need training to happen. So we can arrange all that with them. Um, we double check things, you know, like parking arrangements, you know, times. We can set the course within their shift patterns. So, yeah, if someone wants to start the course at 7 o'clock in the morning, because that's when people start, we can do that. If there's any special problems with that site, we need to know about it. Sometimes you have people on courses who have to be on call. So we have to be careful because if they do have to disappear out the lesson for any reason, you know, we may need to make up time with them later for certain subjects. It's making it correct. Um, but the key thing is contact us, get the company set up on our system, let us know what training they want, when they want it. Um, and you know, we can usually accommodate most training. We've got around about 250 classroom courses and 210 online courses. Um, and that rises all the time. So not all useful in demolition, um, but um, you know, there's, if there's not a course there, we've, it's probably being developed. You mentioned the, the customer portal. How does that work in practice? Because I, I think one of the, the challenges, particularly a larger demolition company will face, is the fact that you've got 50, 100 different employees, all at different levels. They all have their own training requirements. They've got these complex matrices of, of who needs what and when and when their renewals are due and all that kind of thing. Does your portal take care of any of that? Yeah, all the training. So the company can look on the dashboard and they'll be able to see all the members of staff. They're reminded when all the training needs recertifying. They get notification of that. Um, we can set it up that they get it online or they can get email notifications of it as well. So, you know, companies, different people want it in different ways. Uh, emails is great, but if you train all your 100 staff over you know, a few weeks, then you're going to get 100 emails <laughs> that they all need changing. So it, it is notified on the dashboard. You can also access all their certificates directly from the dashboard. So um, we keep everything digital. Um, we do do paper certificates if people want them, because often people like them, but we're moving more and more to digital certificates because the first thing a company will do is scan it and put it onto their system. Well, with our system, it just is free and they can log all the equipment, that, all, the, all the certificates that people have got. Um, we're also launching fairly soon a whole learning management system. So with that, they can upload other certificates of qualifications, different documents onto the system, company health and safety policies and things like that. And again, it's going to be a free portal for them to work with. Obviously, we're sat here in your office in Colchester. Um, this is a national operation, I would assume. Yeah. How, how many instructors do you have at your disposal? We've got around about 1,100 instructors, and every single one of those is monitored and approved. They're not just people with this on the database. Every single one, we've got all their qualifications, all their data for them, uh, their full portfolio of uh, evidence, which is a sort of CV of training. All of them are monitored. So it's quite a, a large database. So we cover the entire UK. Uh, we do cover outside into Europe as well, uh, with courses running uh, next year in Belgium, Spain, Portugal, uh, and further afield. So, yeah, we do run anywhere, but throughout the UK, there's a good array of instructors um, from top-end dials in Scotland. We've run courses right down to the bottom end of the country. Um, so, yeah, we don't normally get caught out on a location. Um, if it's a location that's further afield, we've usually always got someone who's more than willing to travel to it. For example, if, if you've got a, a course... Let's say you're holding a course in London and you've got a couple of spare places. Will you allocate those to another demolition company or is it? do you do that specifically for whoever's paying the bill at the time? It depends on the client. 
Um, if we've got a, a course running in London and that customer, sometimes what happens is we will do a deal with that company and say this course is going to cost so much money and they say they've got eight people on it. Sometimes they, we'll say to them, well, you've got eight people on that course. You're paying us for that course. We've done the deal there. There's four more spaces available. If we were to advertise those spaces out on our network, um, you might get people buying into that, in which case you can actually effectively sell spare spaces on your courses, which could reduce your training costs. So that, that's available. A lot of the courses we do for a company are what we call closed courses, uh, and they just do them for that one company. The problem with bringing outsiders into a, a closed course can be a different business sector. So they're asking questions that are absolutely not relevant to the group. So that could be a problem. Um, but we have a whole course management department. So they are looking at instructors to the right parts of the world. And we've also got uh, others that we employ full time. Uh, and they're sort of the emergency cover. Uh, so, yes, yeah, sometimes they do some very long drives and bits and pieces because we need an instructor in an area. Um, and you know, we have to use those. But, yeah, we can normally meet and match any course anywhere. Um, and if people want to work on something, then, you know, sometimes it's even if they've got three people on the course, sometimes it works out cheaper for us to come to you and train those and then send them, for example, on a first aid course to St John's or Red Cross. You know, it's cheaper just to have an instructor come on site. So even if it's small numbers, we'll do it. But yeah, people want to multi-areas. They've got, they want courses run over 20 different locations across the UK, you know, including an offshore wind farm somewhere. It, it's all doable. Um, it's just letting us, letting us know what the actual requirements are. Don't you know, tell us exactly the problem, and then let's see if we can find a solution for it. But yeah, if you have spare spaces on a course, then yeah, we have a whole network where you can advertise that course out and we can do it for you um, to see if anybody else would come on that course um, to set a price on it and you can make a bit of extra money that way to save any training costs. You've mentioned the word price, which is what all demolition contractors will be looking at. How does, how does blended training stack up with using your three-day health and safety uh, as an example? Three days in the classroom as opposed to two days plus a, a day online. How, how do the, 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 the costs stack up? Blended training will always save some money. There's always an element to say, not massive in some cases, um, but it will save money. There's saves money in two ways. One, the cost of the course. In other words, how much are you paying the training provider? That, for a start, is going to be reduced because we only got to send an instructor out there. An example, first aid at work, it's a three-day course. We're only sending an instructor for two days, so straight away it's less travel cost, less hotel cost potentially, um, less instructor fees and things like that. Certificate costs, exactly the same, but you know it's cutting those costs, so we can save money on that. The other key saving is you've only got your staff out of their normal work for two days instead of three days. Now, it will mean that they've got to do the e-learning as well in their work time or at home or whatever's necessary with it, but that is the other key cost. So if you look at a class of you know, 12 people doing a course and they're you know, specialists in their world uh, and they're all being paid whatever, say £100 a day or whatever the, the fee is, that's potentially £1,200 you've saved because they're now doing their job. So if you're then paying out for a first aid course, for example, uh, and it's £1,000 for that first aid course, um, you know, you, you've not only, you've actually made yourself £200 in the extra money. So you've got to look at both sides of it on the side, not just the cost of the course, but also the cost of the saving. Um, so as long as you've got a course that's, yeah, it's been delivered, uh, it's been delivered to the right specification, uh, all of the uh, right certificates you get on the right, the right side, then you can save money with blended training. The other thing we can do with, for example, other courses might be health and safety or uh, fire safety. Instead of it being a whole day course, we can make it a half day course. We can also increase the number of students on the course. Uh, so we have, you know, first aid, uh, EFAW, a one day first aid course. We could do a four hour session in the morning and a four hour in the afternoon. Um, instead of one day with doing 12 people, we can now do 24 people. 
It's not going to cost us as an organisation that much more apart from the certificate costs, a little bit more for the instructor fee because it's a slightly longer day. But overall, you've got 24 people training for the price of 12. So there's loads of different ways you can save money on it. And also, more importantly, you've got to make the course what the student wants. And if you could make it more interesting and more fun, and less time in the classroom for them, but more productive time, and so that they're assessed properly in that, they've got plenty of opportunity to ask questions, then it's a win-win for everybody. Training Talk is a Demolition News radio production. 